Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy with the Get Savvy Club. I am Anita Baldwin and I'm here with Anna Geary. Hi Anna. Hi, you actually have to think about who you were then, didn't that you? That was um, a bit of a thinking face. Like I am, uh, yeah, Anita, yeah, Anita. Still, I'm still Anita Baldwin and you are still Anna Geary. <laughs> Some things don't change. So you are listening to another um, interview, guest interview with um, Get Savvy Club. And today we've got um, the awesome Dr. Mark T. Wade, um, who is an American guy who's got a really interesting past, actually, and has started a couple of really, really successful businesses, lived all around the world, um, does lots of different things and has got a really good take on what makes a successful business um, and how to get to the next level. Last time we did some uh, put any money behind Facebook ads, it was much more difficult um, to get the numbers in that we had previously got. So we're noticing it as well. So yeah, Mark T. Wade has got the answer to that and is also a really interesting guy. So this is a great episode and let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Dr. Mark T. Wade here. I uh, originally um, have my background in health care. I have two doctorates, which just means I'm the biggest nerd here today. Uh, from there, I started a clinic. I moved abroad to Italy, where I started a clinic in the country of Italy in the worst economic downfall in Italian history, but managed to pull that clinic out and created something pretty successful out of it. Which What is kind what, of clinic was it? It was a posture correction clinic. Oh, cool. And so that's kind of what led me down the direction of everything is when I was there um, and you know, just like with any business, we struggled. That first year was probably one of the most challenging times in my journey uh, until we learned how to niche down or what we call our unique expert position. But from there, um, that clinic allowed us to create an expert position, which we then started to share with other healthcare professionals, um, teaching them online strategies as well. This is, you know, this is like 10 years ago. So back then it was a little, it was novel. It was, it was new. Um, and we actually built that online business, which was an online institute called the American Posture Institute into a multi-million dollar company using a strategy called virtual summits. Um, that company is still there today. It's uh, the world's largest provider of postgraduate online posture education, certified over 10,000 healthcare professionals in over 120 countries across the globe. But what the challenge was at that point to do a virtual summit, you had to have developers, you had to have tech skill. It, it took like seven different pieces of software. It was pretty challenging, pretty complicated. And when are we I talking got, that you did all this? The, well, the healthcare, so clinic was 2011, 2010. Um, and then in 2016, after we had been, we had created the online um, Institute, the American Posture Institute. Like I said, we'd been running multiple summits. So at that point for a couple years, we were running three to four multi-day summits, four to eight one-day summits every year in that online company. And I got frustrated because it was pretty challenging. And I just thought there had to be an easier way of doing it. Like to do a course, you can build a course fairly easy to do a webinar. You could do a webinar fairly easy. There were softwares and things around that. 
And so that's when I decided, you know, let's just build a platform because there was no platforms at that time. So in 2016, I set out to build the first platform for hosting virtual summits called Virtual Summit Software. And at that time, I kind of thought, you know, I'd build the software, set it out there, people would use it, and I'd just keep running the American Posture Institute. But within with every company, you know, it takes full focus. So I actually exited the American Posture Institute at 2017 and went full in on Virtual Summit Software. And since then, we've created a, a seven-figure company around that with helping others get their message out to the world via virtual summits. We have an agency, a top-rated podcast, an in-person conference, which is kind of, you know, meta, I guess, an in-person <laughs> conference for virtual conferences. Um, and then, um, and everything in between. So it's been an amazing journey. And and now we're, we're, we're here. We still got a long ways to go as far as that journey is considered, but we're enjoying so it. So I imagine that business grew massively over the last 18 months, Ben. Business grew massively, but the, the interesting thing is kind of like right time, right place. Like we, mm. our software has been you know, we've hosted over 4,000 summits, um, generated hundreds of thousands of leads and millions of dollars for our users. We've been doing it since 2017. So the pandemic for us was kind of like fuel on the fire. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of that we get that a lot. Oh, like, oh, so virtual summits because of the pandemic. We've been doing virtual summits before, I guess you can say before they were cool. <laughs> yeah. So you still own that whole business. Correct. So right now, I'm, my main focus in virtual summit software um, we do have an agency called Viral Summits Concierge, which is the done for you service. Uh, but yeah, the virtual summit software is kind of like my baby. You know, every I've, I've never missed a developer call in the in the five years, just because every time I get to, you know, they show me the new feature, the new thing they've built, and it's kind of like Christmas every week. So uh, are you a techie? The, actually, this is the funny thing is I am, you know, I'm I'm a doctor by trade, so <laughs> tech is like the last mm. thing on my uh, on my radar. Um, but it is very interesting to me. I do love the concept of having an idea, being able to tell that idea to somebody, and then all of a sudden the idea is a real physical, tangible thing. That fascinates me. You make me. that sound easy. I used to work in a software company, and you have an idea based on you know your market, you know what people want, and you tell it to the developers, and they go, well, that's not going to work because of this, 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 and you go, how do I get around that? And I know how frustrating that is. At the very beginning of it, when we went to, and actually we did it the correct way. I wasn't going to, I'd already had a successful company. I knew what it took to build a successful company. I, I didn't want to just throw money at an idea. And we had experimented with um, like an application in the other company, in the healthcare company that didn't do well, mainly because it was an un- ending project. So we just scrapped it. So I, I didn't want to do the same thing with virtual summit software. So we actually took the concept to get validity before we ever decided to move forward with it. We spent about 40 grand just to test it. Essentially, we had a company go out and interview something like a hundred different summit hosts and attendees and speakers and just find out if the idea was even valid. And the people who did that product uh, uh, test ended up coming back and said it was the first time they've ever had an idea that they took out to test and it was everybody had the same problem the same pain points and there wasn't currently a solution on the market to solve it so they got really excited which got me really excited and of course we decided to move forward with it but at that first part yeah it was it was crazy i had to put i had to paint every single piece of it that was in my mind on paper and tell yeah. that story from the click to the movement. Like, so that took quite a while and it was pretty painstaking mainly because I'm a quick start. So the detail oriented stuff is not, is not my, yeah. not my bread and butter. 
But um, in the end, it was it was definitely worth it because it kept us specific. As they taught me at that time, software needs to be opinionated. It can't solve everything for everyone. Otherwise, nothing gets done, um, which was the first time I learned that concept. And we, we kind of hold true to that today. Who is your ideal client then? Who, who is like your favorite people that, that you work with? From a high level, we work with anyone who has a message that the world needs to hear. Like, see, I personally believe we all have a message that the world needs to hear and an impact to make in that world. And for me, that's the thing that kind of gets me out of bed now is I get to go help somebody that has this 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 idea, this voice, this message that's going to change people's lives. The challenge is, as we all know, right now, it's hard to get that message out. It's hard mm. to be heard by people. And so whether it's in our software where, you know, we literally have hundreds of summits every month running or in our agency where we're working with two to four higher, you know, like uh, done for you type of clients, we actually get to see the outcomes of that where people literally are sending messages into the summit host going, you know, you changed my life. Thank you. And it, it can be on a variety of different topics. A lot of times we think life changing means like health or, you know, happiness, but I've seen mechanic summits where, you know, there's, there's attendees that said, I've been trying to fix my car for over a decade and I couldn't do it. And, you know, you solved this problem for me and you made all the difference in the world to relationships. People had their relationships saved, their businesses saved, their marriages saved, things like that. So th that's powerful. And I think sometimes, especially in business, you know, it's business is hard, right? And we get caught up in the day to day. You got to get the cash flow to make the money, to keep the lights on. And there's really no user manual on businesses, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. from, from, a, from a generic standpoint. And so it's easy to get caught up in the challenges and the struggles on the day-to-day -day basis. And sometimes we lose track of the actual impact we're making. And I, I believe, and this is kind of how we structured our entire company, is if you focus on the impact, your company is going to grow no matter what. But you're also going to be much happier in that journey. So, I mean, one of our KPIs in our company is lives impacted because I don't want anybody on my team to lose focus of why we're doing what we're doing, whether it's the graphic designer, our director of viral summits, every single person knows that what they're doing impacts the outcome of the summit, which impacts lives. And that's one of the reasons we have such an incredible team that works their butts off, um, but is happy to do it. Anyone can do a virtual summit then, any size of business, any essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, the an the short answer is yes. And sorry, and I didn't actually answer your question. Like the ideal person who's doing a summit is is kind of probably two or three types. Now, anybody can do a summit, especially now because of things like virtual summit software. I will say three or four years ago, that wasn't the case. You kind of needed a big budget or you needed to have a team to support yeah. you, a developer to help you build it, um, you know, a VA to kind of help you manage it. And you needed, you know, a budget to pay for it all. But once the platform became available, then it became easy for anybody to do a summit, okay, as far as the technical components. If you can use a keyboard, you can now do a summit. And it took the amount of time invested from about 100 hours down to about two to three hours as far as building out a summit. Actually, I'll tell you this story. My first summit we ever did in the American Posture Institute, which really kicked off that entire company, took me about 100 hours to build. Um, it was supposed to be a multi-day summit. A multi-day summit typically has like 25 to 30 speakers um, or more. 
Um, I could only get seven at that point. And um, instead of canceling it, my ego wouldn't let me contact those other seven speakers and tell them I couldn't do it. So I decided to just run it as a one day summit. You know, I just thought, you know, I'm not going to tell them I couldn't do it. I'll just make it one day. We have enough for one day and we'll, we'll, we'll rock it out like that. Um, but I had seven different softwares. It took me forever and it looked like a third grader built it actually probably today. Third graders could build better ones than I did at that time, but it was, it was extremely successful. We had over 5,000, um, summit attendees. The summit generated a little over $30,000 on the summit, which was really kind of some of the first real money we'd made online. But the cool thing was the backbone of that summit went on to become a certification we created in that company which became a multi-million dollar certification. It was our first multi-million dollar certification. So that really set the standard. But at this point, who would be ideal for doing a summit? We see kind of two groups. There's the people who are just getting started. Summits are very commonly their first go-to because when you're first getting started, you know you need an audience to build your business, right? You need an audience to have people to follow you, to build no like, and trust, to eventually go along your customer journey, which then supplies the revenue for the company. The problem is when you're first getting started, how do you build your audience? You don't have the revenue to spend on paid traffic. You don't have the connections to do collaborations like partner webinars or launches, et cetera. So the only way to really get that out there is either the low, the slow, long and steady way, which is maybe doing organic growth and spending time to build relationships to then do a couple back and forth, which are all good. But a virtual summit allows you to do that kind of in hyper speed. So if you're just getting started, a virtual summit is great. We call it a collaborative marketing strategy because it brings together anywhere from five to 10 to 25 to 30 different people, thought leaders all around one problem to solve that problem for this audience for free, which is amazing value for anybody who's attending. Again, the people that are getting their lives impacted, they get to learn from thought leaders that may cost them thousands of dollars to actually learn from. Um, but with that being said, they now get that. They see you as the host. So that gives you influence or authority. We call it expert leverage. You're leveraging the expertise of the other people on your your summit. So it's kind of a, it's, it's a velocitizer for your authority and influence. And if you're just getting started, that's important. And, and you're also, getting bombs on seats through those other people who are speaking and their audience. And yeah. Correct. And so it, it builds your audience because everybody on the summit is promoting it to their audiences and they, yeah. there's all benefits for everybody. And we can talk about that, but um, it, that's how it spreads. So you don't have to use paid traffic. So it's essentially free other than your time to be able to do. And now you have a new audience. Maybe that's 500 people. Maybe it's a thousand, maybe it's 10,000, which would be awesome. But now you have an audience who no likes and trust you that you can now go forward with. So that's kind of the first like set of people. Second one would be people who already have a, a business, some mo momentum, acceleration. We've seen everybody from Tony Robbins to Pete Vargas, Jeff Walker, et cetera, do, do summits because of the same reason we just said it builds the audience it's also the biggest way to build that audience in the most cost effective way in building no like and trust so comparatively now i'm talking about people who already have established business like we all need leads we all need new audience members to build a relationship with to keep the business going now the other way is most commonly for a successful company is to spend money on paid traffic which 
is an effective way. I'd probably say it's a little bit less effective at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) I won't touch that because that's not my expertise, but (laughs) it's a little bit, we're we're seeing a lot more people looking at summits at the moment because of that. But even if it, you know, when it was extremely effective, you're bringing in new audience members, new leads, let's say from a free giveaway or a lead magnet or something like that. But you don't really have a relationship with them. They're kind of like saying, okay, I'll give you my email. You give me this and, and they move on with their journey. Now you can try and warm that up through a nurture sequence and things like that. But the statistics are very, very low on that. A summit, when they opt in for it, they're opting in for the knowledge they're going to get on the summit. And actually, this is, a, this is a piece of marketing advice in general. Nobody wants the actual information. Okay. Whatever you're giving, teaching, doing, they don't want the information. They want what that information is going to bring them. They want the transformation. So you always want to focus on the transformation. So summit gives them the allure of what's on the other side of that information, that knowledge, who they're learning from experts. It's kind of like reading 25 books in a weekend, right? It's, it's like massive amounts of knowledge that you're getting from the people who are most up to date on that information. Now, after that, like what, well, what happens when they're on that? They see you with these experts, as we just mentioned, they go, oh, well, you know, Anna knows Tony Robbins. Oh my gosh. Anna must be a pretty important person if she's. We we have had Tony Robbins' son on the podcast, haven't we? Jarek. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Jarek's awesome. Yeah. We were hanging out in Puerto Rico not that long ago, but the point is they see you with these, these other experts and you leverage that credibility, that authority, plus they're spending time with you. Um, let's say a webinar or even a lead magnet, something like a PDF, they get and they move on the webinar. Maybe they don't even show up for it, but a summit, they actually have to show up to get the information. So they show up, they're watching you with these people. So they're building no like, and trust. It's called the mere exposure effect. It's a psychological trigger where just them seeing you, even if they're there to watch the other person, they start to build a relationship with you think of Facebook. It's the easiest way to explain it. Like there's people we've never met on Facebook, but they constantly are on our feed. And a year later, it's like, oh, we're BFFs, but we've never actually met in person, right? Mere exposure effect. So the point of that is you, you now have a new audience member who has a relationship with you and sees you as the solution to their problem. So they're more primed to go further with you after the summit into whatever your next program product or service is. So those are kind of the two. And it, it does work for everyone in the middle. I don't want to say it's a, you know, it's a pain all it, it, you, you need to have a little bit of time. You've got to be willing to do some work. Right. Yeah. Um, but it is a, a very effective strategy for, for building a business. It sounds great. So do you help, you've got like a done for you. Do you help people to then market that as well? Because I know, well, we've done things before. We've never done a virtual summit, but we have done webinars. Like you say, people don't turn up and um, getting bums and seats is bloody hard work, isn't it? Getting bums and seats is hard for everything in general. I mean, it doesn't matter what we're talking about, but that is one of the reasons I do like virtual summits is because if they don't show up, they don't get the information. It's not like a webinar where there's a replay, right? Yeah, and yeah. they know that there's no perfect solution. I mean, you're still going to have anywhere from 50 to 60 and in some cases 70, which is great, but show up rates, mm-hmm. which is still better than the 10 to 15. We're kind of seeing maybe maximum 20 of you're crushing it on webinars. But there is the alternative solution, which is the one day summit, 
we talked about multi-day summits and actually maybe i should just clarify people people might be going mark you keep talking about virtual summits what exactly is a virtual summit yeah, okay. good is, it a, is it a conference exactly. is it a the easiest way to explain a virtual summit is essentially a set of pre-recorded interviews or presentations that solve a problem or series of problem for a specific audience by bringing in topic experts micro influencers etc and it's over a set period of time two days, three days, five days, et cetera. And it's free to attend, so they don't have to pay. So there's no barrier of entrance, but it ends at a certain time. And if they don't show up, they miss it. Now, there are some options for people to buy things on it, which is how it can generate some revenue, but it allows people to come in and watch it. And there's a variety of different types of summits. There's a multi-day summit, which is anywhere from about three to seven days, has around 25 to 80 speakers maybe. Um, it's the most common, most popular, I'd say, and historically most common. Um, and then there's another kind called the one day summit. So the one day summit, just as it says, is one day, but it doesn't mean it's a full day in content. It just means your audience has one day to consume it. Now, this is really effective because most people, again, we talked about the transformation. People don't want the information. They want the transformation. So there's a whole segment of people who are like me who have a little bit of ADD and are like, I don't have a whole lot of time. And if I can't sit through three days of that, then I'm not going to get the, the knowledge, which means I'm not going to get the transformation. So I'm not going to do any of it. Well, the one day summit That's is me. a transformation in a day. So anybody, yeah. if they have a big enough problem is willing to spend, you know, one day and again, not a full day, just tomorrow I can have that transformation. That sounds great. Yeah. And the speakers wise, it's five to 15 speakers with kind of eight to 10 being the sweet spot. So from a summit host standpoint, much quicker, much easier, much less work and much, much less risky. You're only putting in about 30 to maybe 60 days of prep time versus maybe 90 to, to 120 days. Now, I'm interested you said pre-recorded, so you wouldn't do those live or? Yeah, I picked up on that as well. Yeah. Correct. So the, the most, like, let me rephrase that. The newest type of summit that's out there right now, which has been all the rage because of the pandemic, is live streamed conferences. So yeah. live stream conference, commonly called a live stream summit, is essentially just like an in-person conference, except virtual. Yeah. So these are very different, extremely, both of these are extremely effective, a virtual effective, a virtual summit or a live stream conference for two different reasons. A live stream conference is typically paid for you paid access. So it's not free oh, okay. to attend. You pay 97, 197, whatever. And then you show up and you have to be available while it's live. So 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Okay. So there's a lot of people like, for example, anybody that doesn't know you, is probably not going to pay to show up to your conference. They don't know no. you don't. So it's geared more towards people you already have a relationship with, an audience you've already built. And the primary goal or objective of these, just like the in-person conferences, is to essentially sell a higher ticket item, a service, yeah. a mastermind, or something like that. Extremely effective. We run one every year. Uh, last year's our, ours did almost $200,000 from sales from the stage. Now, the virtual summit, which is primarily pre-recorded, we'll say 80 to 85% because you should have some live, you know, a daily live Q&A or a speaker panel or something. But the difference with this is this is geared towards people you don't know yet. This is to build your audience, which is why it's free to attend. And it's geared towards allowing people to watch it on their own time. So live stream mm -hmm. conference, you're available. They have to be available from eight to four, right? Those yeah. four days. 
a virtual summit, people are watching that in the morning while they're getting ready, at lunchtime, in the evening after they put the kids to bed, on their own time because it's pre-recorded. So I can watch it when I'm available, not when you tell me I have to be available. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's much more catering to get people in to build that relationship and then have them in your audience. You wouldn't do a live one and then just record it and then offer it as a pre-record? No, because different goals. Okay. Oh, okay. The live stream, some the live stream conference, let's say is geared towards selling a yeah. higher ticket item. So there's some very specific strategies in that, like the day one on a live stream conference. So for example, the most common template for live stream conference is three days. Okay. The most common template for a multi-day virtual summit is five days. You can do three days, you can do four days, et cetera. But the difference here is live stream conference. Each day has a very specific purpose. Day one is all about um, the problem. You're highlighting the problem. You're tweaking the problem. And then day two is all about the community. You're building the, you're bringing the community together and you make the offer or the pitch on day two. Day three is focused on action. So you've got things like the orientation. So there's, th there's very specific things that you're doing in that live stream conference, which are very effective for getting the outcome. Okay. But if I recorded that and just send it to you as a recording, it wouldn't have nearly no. the effect and it probably wouldn't, it wouldn't be as beneficial because there's not all the people there to interact with, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah. there's Makes a lot sense. of nuances, but I don't want this also to sound overwhelming. I will say out of all of them, the live stream conference is probably the most difficult and higher risk. It's, it's more geared towards you don't start with that one you don't start with that one no. no it's geared more towards people who've already got the established business they already kind of have a high ticket offer that they know converts well they have an audience that they can bring in that that type of thing it's very effective but it's also higher risk too because it is live stream so heaven yeah. forbid the internet goes out that day or your computer decides not to yeah. work you know um i would actually say oh, if you have a really bad hair day have a bad hair day. You just put a hat on like I do. Um, but I would say for starters, the people who are j wanting to start, I always recommend starting with the one day summit because yeah. that's what I'd start it, with. it's, it's it, again, how many, we all know five people we could interview. So that's easy. Okay. Again, if you're using something like virtual summit software, a couple hours to have the summit actually built, it's an all in one pro, pro platform websites, et cetera, et cetera. But then it's also less risky. Let's say you blow it. Oh, heaven forbid you completely bomb it. You're only out five interviews versus like a multi-day summit. You might be out 30 interviews. Those people aren't going to turn around and do something with you again the next month. So you kind of, you know, lost your one opportunity. With the one-day summit, you learn the entire process. After you've done the one-day summit, you're like, okay, I know how this flows. Now I'm ready to do a multi-day summit. So for anybody listening, don't start with the live stream conference. Oh. That's a little bit risky. Start with the one day summit and progress into it. And the one day summit then, is that a one time thing or is that something you can use over like a few months, depending on, you know, how evergreen it is? That's a great question. It's actually been transforming. So we actually invented the one day summit about seven years ago. Again, it was by mistake because I couldn't get a full multi-day summit. I didn't know at that time it would uh, become pop that popular. But now we're seeing a lot, a lot of bigger companies. Uh, for example, I just saw Upwork was advertising their one day summit coming up oh, yeah. next month. So we've had some of the biggest brands, businesses and entrepreneurs are now doing one day summits and they're doing them one of two ways. Let me preface it with this there with the one day summit. 
I mean, we ourselves have about 10 different frameworks for the one day summits, like for reasons to do them and ways to do them to get specific outcomes. Whereas the multi-day summit is kind of a catch-all. It's like build the audience is the primary goal. You're going to do it to build as big an audience as possible with no like and trust. One day summits, you can do these for an affiliate promotion. Um, perfect example of this is, a, a, I think it was two years ago, my buddy Pete Vargas was doing a launch for his program, Advance Your Reach. Um, and he wanted me to fill, you know, be an affiliate partner of his to promote it. And I'm like, you know, Pete, I don't really have an audience for that. He said, too bad, Mark, you're going to do it. And I said, okay, I do owe you a favor. So the problem was it had 150 of the top online marketers in the industry. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like Stu McLaren, Michael Hyatt, Selena Sue. Yeah. You, you don't want to be on a lead table with those. Yeah. And I'm going, man, I'm going to look like a complete dud in front of all of these awesome <laughs> people. And so I'm sitting there like worried, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I'm like, duh, Mark, like do what you tell everybody <laughs> do, a to do. do a one day summit. So I did a one day summit. Again, his program is about helping people win stages, essentially speakers win stages. So I did a one day summit called the expert speaker workshop. And I brought in 10 speaker coaches, associations, authors, et cetera, and did a one day summit. And I generated about almost 3000 leads, which is not a lot. It's not nothing, but it's not a lot compared to some of these guys have lists of a hundred thousand. And then I did two weeks later, I think it was at that time, about four weeks later, um, I, I did Pete's launch to this list of 3000 and I ended up taking fifth place out of the 150 wow. top market so much so, so that I had them private messaging me going, who are you and how did you do this? <laughs> right. But if you think about it, what did I do? I didn't have a list of a hundred thousand random people. I had 3000 people that in what I actually did the whole one day summit about was I solved all of the problems, like how to come up with your, your talk, how to position yourself as a speaker, what to sell. Like I did all of the things except for one problem. I, I didn't solve one problem, which was how to win stages. So I got a prime audience who's warm. They know, like, and trust me. And I turned around and said, okay, the one thing you don't have, is how to get the stages. And here's my buddy Pete who can teach you that. So we had huge conversions into that program, which allowed us to take fifth place. So again, with the one day summit, multiple different frameworks, that was one of them. We have frameworks for how to prime a membership launch, how to sell a physical product, how to do a book launch, how to fill your mastermind. I'm in, we're doing it. We, yeah, we have a program we run once or twice a year, which is a three-month social media made easy program. Everyone goes through it together. We usually do five-day challenge and a masterclass. You know the, the shtick. And, uh, yeah, I mean, let's do it. Let's do a virtual summit. To, to answer the, your, your original question with that is, so what people are doing is they're using the one-day summit to build a new audience, but even to prime their current audience, to get them re-excited again, to re-bring them in, before they do something yeah. else. And we're seeing two versions of the one day summit right now. So historically the way we've always done it in the past was pre-recorded, as I mentioned, and we've got some little, you know, things to add into it to, to prolong the promo period, increase engagement, et cetera. But now also what we're starting to see, especially since paid traffic has been a big issue the last several months, we're seeing a lot of people go, you know what? I need a way to build my audience and I can't use paid traffic. You know, I normally would spend a bunch of money on paid traffic. What can I do right now to help me solve this problem immediately? And they're going, well, I'm just going to collaborate with my friends. So they're bringing together five to eight 
friends in relatively same spaces, complementary services, not competitive. And what they're doing is they're going, we're going to collaborate on this summit. It's not just going to be my summit. It's going to be our summit. And what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you contribute a product or service that you normally charge into the offering of this summit. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to, you know, give away a, a bunch of amazing value and then we'll have one offer for 200 bucks. And it's going to include a service from all of us or a pro pro program, a course from all of us. It's going to be huge value. So anybody who purchases that now needs access to those programs. So any of us who are on this summit, we all get the list of that summit. So it's a truly collaborative. So now I've got five people together who are offering something who we all benefit by promoting this. And we all kind of get a new audience base that we get to build that relationship with. And it's been extremely effective, especially right now um, with paid traffic issues that we're seeing. The other thing you do, that, which is why we first heard of you from someone who was a business coach of ours quite recently, is you run uh, masterminds as well, don't you? Yeah, I have a variety of different masterminds. I mean, for me, masterminds are pretty fundamental. It's, in my opinion, one of the things that set the runway for me to gain the success I did was I invested early on into masterminds, even above coaches. I had coaches, of course, but for me, one, I'm an extrovert, so I like people. So I like hanging out with people, but it was a way to quickly maximize and build relationships, which is also kind of one of my favorite things or superpower of mine is relationships. I, I, I personally believe your net worth depends on your network. So masterminds was something I was always involved in. Um, I mean, I think the back pre pandemic, I'd spent over a hundred grand in in masterminds of me to participate. But from those, all the relationships and opportunities and connections that happen and solutions to problems that, you know, I would encounter or have were worth every penny of it. And so I also saw it as a way, you know, there's a variety of different ways to do masterminds for me at the beginning. When I did my mastermind, it wasn't even because I felt like I had the knowledge to teach the people because a lot of the people that were in my mastermind were way more successful than I, but it was more about, I had the relationships to bring all these people together so that they could also benefit from those relationships. And I also wanted to do it in a really cool way. So that that's what led that, um, you know, that years ago. So whereabouts are you based? Currently right now I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida, but it depends on when you ask me. I just got back a couple, a uh, couple days ago. I was at our ski house in Sun Valley, Idaho before that, taking a little respite from the heat and humidity here. Yeah. But you do your masterminds in really nice places, don't you? Yeah. I'm nomadic as well as we were talking about in our pre-interview chat. Uh, I spent six years in Italy, which is where, you know, after I got my first doctorate, I moved to Italy and that's where I opened the clinic. Had a house in Sardinia, the island of Sardinia, and also in the, the uh, Croatian Riviera in Opatia. And then um, I moved to Puerto Rico for about four and a half years, four and a half, five years. So I kind of bounce around a little bit. Yeah, that's my ideal life. Once um, I've not got long before my kids can uh, just go. <laughs> you can just like travel and they can just stay exactly in that house. Um, me. and then yeah I, I my dream is to be a digital nomad and just you know you could work anywhere as long as you've got good wi-fi you if you've got go wi-fi we couldn't even work like in certain areas of the uk like north devon when we went there it was a mm -hmm. nightmare um i'm going south italy next week you're away yeah beautiful so. i miss italy 
No, um, there's nothing like living in a place, is there, for you know mm. a while? To it's, it's very different from just even having a long holiday somewhere, mm. isn't it? Yeah, because there's just so many things. Like for example, you have to do all the tour stuff. Like even when you yeah. like when you go to Italy, you go do Rome and Venice and Milan mm. and and all this stuff. But some of the most beautiful places are the places you wouldn't go on vacation. Like Verona. Mm. Verona is probably one of my favorite spots in all of Italy. It's like a smaller, cleaner, more pretty Rome, for example. And you know, Opatia, Croatia, which you know, we found because we we're looking for uh, something that was new news to me as an American when I first moved to Italy and had a business there was that the month of August, everybody takes vacation and goes away. So your business is closed for the entire month and all of your <laughs> You're still trying to like look away. I'm going <laughs> no like, how am I supposed to run a business? Everybody's Things gone. you don't know, yeah. yeah. Why did well, you set up in Italy out of uh, anywhere? Well, again, I'm an adventurer by nature. Like, So I've always been um, a traveler. When I was in, in my first doctorate program, I was a part of a world congress. So I got to meet people from all over the world um, and healthcare, which really kind of opened my eyes to like, well, wait, I don't just have to practice in the U S I could go anywhere. And, mm -hmm. and so when I, when I graduated, I, you know, it was going to be like a year or two years, right. It wasn't intended yeah. to be six years, Time but goes fast. kind of fell in love with it and, and ended up staying. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Definitely. And where else, where, what's on your list to go to next? I will say one of the things that the pandemic did for me, which I'm great grateful for is it slowed everything down. I actually kind of realized I don't think I really want to travel as much as I've been traveling. I mean, 2019, three, you know, sometimes even the entire month, I, I was essentially gone more from home than I was in home. And so I've gotten more into road trips again, mm -hmm. but you know, pre, you know, travel days, I used to just road trip everywhere, but I'm also big into pickleball right now. So never play, heard of it. What on earth is that? Pickleball is the fastest growing sport in the world. Um, it is essentially kind of like a combination between tennis and uh, tennis and racquetball, tennis, ping pong, and wiffle ball, if you will. Yeah. So it's a much smaller court than tennis. It's played like tennis, but it's much smaller court. The ball is a wiffle ball. So it's light and um, you can hit it as hard as you want, but it'll only go so fast and then it stops relatively quickly, kind of like badminton. And the paddles look like oversized ping pong paddles. It, it was very popular in the like the elderly population, I guess, for a long time. But now it's picking up everywhere because it's relatively easy to get decent at it very quickly. So almost anybody can kind of walk in within two to three to five games, be okay. It's really good exercise without uh, a lot of risk of injury. So yeah, here's a healthcare fact. Ball's not going to hurt, yeah. hurt you. Also, the number one injury in males over 35 is a torn Achilles tendon from a pickup basketball game. So, you know, once we hit a certain age, there's things we can't do. But this allows you because there's not like sprinting, even like in tennis. There's It's not a lot of sprinting. It's more about soft placement but it's still good exercise like i've lost almost 50 pounds in the last seven months just from playing pickleball so it comes from the name of a dog actually the guy's dog's name was pickle and pickle would always grab the ball so they called it pickleball so we're the get savvy club so we always ask a couple of questions at the end of our podcast uh, one is what makes you savvy outside of the box thinking i think um 
one of the things that hinders entrepreneurs in general is we kind of think it has to be done the way it's always been done. Or when we see limitations or even restrictions, we just say, okay, I can't do it like that. And we go somewhere else for me. I've, you know, for good or worse, I've always seen limitations or restrictions as challenges to overcome and found ways to, to do it differently, which is my first company, why the American Posture Institute even exists. When we first created that, it was taboo to consider doing continuing education online. I mean, obviously now it's the norm, but we had 10 yeah. years ahead of the curve. And the second question we always ask is uh, for you to recommend a book that's changed your life in some way or that you'd recommend to our listeners. So it could be business, marketing, All personal right. development. That's always a tough question, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with the one that changed everything for me from the very beginning. There's been a lot of books, good, great, great books since then, but Good to Great by Jim Collins. When I was first struggling in my clinic, you know, all the way back, 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 um, I read that book, Good to Great, and the, I still read it about, at least every two years, if not every year, because no matter where I'm at in my business, there's now there's something in there that relates. But at that point, when I was just getting started, the main takeaway that really changed everything was he calls it the hedgehog concept. We call it the unique expert position. And he talked about the difference between good companies and great companies is great companies have a hedgehog concept or a unique expert position. They specialize in one thing. And at that time we realized, wait, we're, we're generalists. We're doing a little bit of everything for everyone, therefore not being great at anything and also not referable because people didn't know what to refer us to. And it was at that moment that we decided to specialize in posture in one year from that point. We had gone from almost needing to close our doors to being one of the most successful posture correction clinics in the entire country of Italy. And then fast forwarding that, starting the American Posture Institute, which became the world's largest provider of postgraduate online posture education. Wow. And it's something that so many um, business owners resist doing, isn't it? Because they think they'll earn less money and they'll limit their potential. Revenue. We try when, we, when we're working with our clients and we're trying to get them to think about their ideal clients. And we're like, we can help anybody. But, but like, I no, could sell too. No, if I, no, you know, if we had like pound for every time we heard that and yeah and to have to like explain it to people and it is it is counterintuitive isn't it or it feels it initially even with the other companies i've built at the beginning i've had to do the same thing and it is it's challenging because you've got this big idea in your head and it's really hard to see and I, i'll say it's also challenging because sometimes we haven't had the repetitions of saying what our unique message is saying like what our services is so it's hard to get clear on that but that's mm -hmm. the important part of being able when you do it it's so much to easier build. to do yeah. everything else isn't it Move, moving so forward you just relate yeah. back to that all thing all the time yeah it's yeah. so and it, it velocitizes everything. Like when you specialize in something, now you don't need to focus on these, on everything else. You focus on this. You do more of just this, which gets you better at that quicker. You spend more time learning about it, which helps you get better at it. Mm -hmm. And because you're getting better results, whatever those results are, more people are happy. They send more people, you get more people, your business grows. Out of interest then, would you say it's more important to focus on what your unique expert position is rather than your ideal client and what they're looking like? Yeah, actually the way I look at it is you have to, you have to figure out what your expert position is before anything else. The reason mm. is like when you're creating, when you're determining your unique expert position, you want to look at three, and this comes from the book, Good to Great, three circles essentially. And it's where these three circles collide. What are you most passionate about? Like if you don't have passion, 
Like for example, if you're not willing to work 18 hours or however many hours a day for a certain amount of weeks for free, then you'll probably burn out at some point anyways. So what are you passionate about? The other one is what can you be the best in the world at? Now, this is usually what gets people. They're like, oh, you know, I can't be the best in the world. There's so many people. And this is where niching down occurs. So in the healthcare profession, um, one of our one of my doctorates is chiropractic. So if I wanted to be the best chiropractor in the world, that would have been pretty challenging because there are so many great chiropractors out there. People have had a lot more time and experience than I. However, when I went from chiropractic to posture correction, that really limited or reduced the playing field. Now I've only got like 10 people that I have to work harder than. So I can quickly become the best in the world by doing what we're just talking about by niching down. So what mm -hmm. can you be the best in the world at? What are you most passionate about? And then what can you make money doing? So there are some things out there that you may be passionate about and you could be great at, but if you can't make money doing it, it's just a hobby and sometimes an expensive hobby. So like pickleball. Those, they like pickleball. However, yeah. if I get to the pro level, maybe I can make some money. Yeah. But <laughs> when we with, beat you at the Olympics, we'll be then I lose in. all my sponsorships. Yeah. <laughs> no. But with that, where those threes collide is where your unique expert position comes. And then from there, you can determine who you're going to serve. So it's yeah. like with virtual summits, I can serve anyone or I can serve healthcare professionals or I can serve bankers or et cetera. So, but yeah. I need to know what I'm serving them in and with first. Brilliant. So fabulous. if our listeners want to find out more about you and uh, the virtual summits, what is the best way of them getting in contact with you or your business? Sure. Like our website, virtual summits, dot com is probably the best place to go you can get access we have tons of free resources there we have our podcasts you know anything you need to get started also has access to me there and information about the virtual summit software so anything they need they can get right there if you're enjoying marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate review and subscribe awesome well who knew who knew pickleball was even a thing never heard of it but since recording that and now doing this top and tail i've actually called up found out where our local pickleball is and we're going to go on Monday night. You do well because I see, I can't stop. I stay in like pickleball, <laughs> like I'm an American, like a pseudo. It is a thing. It's a thing. I'm, I, was, I was thinking, I was thinking maybe we call it something different that when, you know, when it was going on, like whatever's a wiffle or waffle or whatever ball he was on about in the middle. is a form of ping pong, isn't it? It's what it used to be called. No, but he was on about wiffle ball. Oh, it's like a wiffle ball. But anyway, I've, I've looked and it's I like a ball. I just assumed it was something to do with it's that. It's a ball with holes in. It's like an, you know, when I was at school, you called it an airflow ball is what you call it. That's what it looks Did like. Did you? An ball. Have you ever heard of an airflow ball? Never. Little plastic with holes in because the air can flow through it airflow ball they were the only balls we were allowed in the <laughs> playground so um so yeah so since that since that recording we are already going to go to our first pickleball session so getting ready so that when if we ever go and meet mark we can um play pickleball with him no let's be honest now we are getting ready for the olympics if it is ever going to be an olympics ever a thing we're there i so, saw yeah. our kids i saw our kids who knows but when i, I phoned the lovely lady up and she said just to let you know, everyone is over 55 that comes. Like as if that's, you know, I must sound really young on the phone. But I was like, no, that's completely fine. She says, there is a one family that comes with a teenager. So, well, there'll be more. Do you know what I think when uh, I hear they're all over 55? Excellent. I can thrash them. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> an age category I can beat a sport. No, I rubbish. just thought bowling. I just thought oh, it was similar to like when they when they go bowling and stuff. But I always, oh. but actually, you'll be surprised. They'll probably thrash you now, and I'll be like, oh, look yeah, at that. They will. Look because at that senior thrashing you well i did say to her look oh well i'm not very good at tennis badminton or ping pong and then she went well oh um well even people that aren't good at that can pick it up i went oh that's good to hear <laughs> went a bit off topic there but my dr mark t wade's fantastic uh guest there so i hope you learned a lot and we, we are actually going to be having a look at doing a virtual summit at some point so if you want to go and um review share like comment screenshot this episode Put it on Instagram, put it on any social media. Make sure you tag us in, either at Get Savvy Club or an Anagiri on East Bowl with. And um, you could be in with the shouts of winning the book that he recommended as well, which was Good to Great by Jim Collins, which I've heard of, but I haven't actually ever read that one. So one to go and get. Cool. And no doubt we'll be back around for a quickie on Thursday. See you all soon. Have Bye. a great day. Bye. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.